Um, for those of you um, who don't know me, my name is Ash. I'm a part of a team here at Oceans Church. And I, I oversee the creative department both here in Perth and in Albany. And I'm also a part of the worship team here in Perth under Vange and Dave, who were just on stage, which is an incredible honour. Um, and I just serve in any other area that's needed of me, which I just find so much joy in. But I'm just so excited to be a part of Oceans in the time that we're in now. Is anyone else so excited? Like... I feel like 2022 is actually going to be a year of more, you know, which is what the conference is all about. God doing more, God expanding, God moving, God revealing, which congratulations, you're actually all a part of now, which is super exciting. So don't forget to register. I mean, it's, got, it's honestly going to be a conference to remember. Um, but it feels like such a gift, you know, especially in this world of um, ever-changing circumstances and so many unknowns, to know a God who is steadfast, to know a God who is always thinking about us, our best interests, who's got a plan and a purpose for us, and who's always just wanting us to be a part of something so miraculous. He's inviting us into that. Um, and speaking of gifts, as we come into this holiday season, there's going to be plenty of presents going around. Am I right? So many presents. And this year, for me, must actually have been my biggest year for Secret Santa yet. Like, I'm not even kidding. I feel like I've been doing a different Secret Santa with a different bunch of people, like, every week. And for, like, the last six weeks, it's crazy. And don't get me wrong, I love it. And it's even better when you do, I don't know what everyone else calls it, but, like, Yankee Swap, where you get to, like, steal the present. And that's even, that's even better because you get to take someone else's present away from you, like... Um, at our lead team meeting this week, um, Beck propagated a plant, beautiful plant. Naturally, that went around the circle quite a bit until it got to the last person, which was Jaden. And he just sort of thinks, that's a good-looking plant that Courtney looks pretty happy with. I'm just going to take that one right out his hands. No, don't worry, I insist. And he took the plant and crushed Courtney's hopes and dreams. Um, but now our, um, our living room table has a beautiful plant in the middle of it, so I'm happy. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I wasn't a kid growing up that, like, um, really cared for presents. Like, it wasn't my love language, although I enjoyed receiving them. Sorry, mum's in the crowd, but I enjoyed receiving the gifts. But, you know, I didn't hold much value to them. But as I was growing up, you know, I became really sentimental. And some things I've received as gifts I'd probably, you know, might not even use, but... Um, every time I look at it, I think of the person who gave it to me and, and the thought that went behind it, and that actually holds so much value in my heart. And I just love the idea, you know, of giving gifts to people that you love and value, you know. It shows a cost. They had to go out of their way, you know, to buy you that present. They had to use their time. They had to use their money. You know, it holds great value. But tonight I want to focus on a different kind of gift, the gift of Jesus, the best gift of all, especially in this holiday season, because sometimes I don't think we understand or comprehend the true value of a gift. Like when you're a baby, right, you're given a gift and you hold it and you receive it, but you don't fully comprehend it. So tonight, I'd love to share one aspect of the gift, which is Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. But first, let's just pray, hey? Hey God, I thank you that you are always with us and that you're for us. And I thank you that you're here in this service tonight, God, and I pray that it is your words and not my own that are spoken tonight. And I just pray that our hearts are open and receptive to whatever you're wanting to do tonight, Father. Just speak to us and speak through us in Jesus' name. Would you be with us? 
Amen. So good. Hey, I have a family that lives all across Australia, right? And every two years when we were younger, we'd all make our best efforts to either fly to Melbourne or if you were my family, you'd drive across the Nullarbor for three days and I'd be puking because I get super car sick and motion sick. So that was always a great time. Um, but I absolutely loved spending time with this family. These were like the cousins, right? You know you have the cousins where you get together and they're a bit cheeky and they're a bit naughty and they play a few pranks on the parents and get into a bit of trouble. Um, my granny's also here and my papa, so you're welcome. Um, but these were the, the, the cousins that were super fun and you always enjoyed hanging around. But as we grew up, you know, we moved out or we started to study or get jobs or we got married and that two-year get-together got, you know, a little bit more harder to do. And we don't see each other as often, so you'd naturally drift, right? You'd start to become a little distant. And that can so easily at times translate into how we can perceive God, right? You know, you might perceive God as distant. And I know for most of us at some point, we probably have. So you're not alone with this. Even the Israelites um, felt this as well. In the, back in the Old Testament, only the priests once a year after many sacrifices and rituals could actually enter into the presence of God. And this was because the presence of God at the time was too holy for anyone else. If you actually walked into the temple, you would actually die because the presence of the Lord was just too strong. And in this temple, there was like this big curtain that would separate humanity from God. You know, it would be, act as a divide between humanity and holy. So only one person a year, only that priest after all the sacrifices could enter it. That's it. That's all that was allowed to happen. And sometimes we can see God this way, hey? Like we feel too distant and he's too far off, so why bother? Or God is only for the holy people. He's not interested in someone like me. I'm not good enough. Or I will just follow God from a distance. Maybe the pastors can pray for me every now and then, but I'll keep the other people around me and God at a distance. So, like a secondhand relationship, kind of like when you're in primary school and you start dating someone and you like, you like them and they like you, but you always like share notes through your best friend or like talk to them through your best friend. You'd never speak to them directly. Um, but here is the good news, right? God doesn't want to pass notes through someone else to you. He wants to speak directly to you. And God revealed this to Mary when he said that he would no longer be distant, but he would be close. He sent an angel to her, telling her that he was sending his son through the womb of Mary, and this is what the angel said. They will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. So naturally, this blew the minds of Mary, right? She was a virgin. How is this possible? This doesn't make any sense. And she didn't expect it, right? So this changed everything. So God was dwelling among them. God became flesh to dwell among them and to dwell among us. See, God loves us so much. He loves you so much that he became man so that he could come to us rather than us having to try and make a way to get to him. And one of the most powerful ways that God demonstrates this was what happened in the moment of his death. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, it says in Matthew 27, 51, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom, showing that now all barriers of sin were dealt with. And rather than relying on the priest's making of thousands of sacrifices each year, the sacrifice of Jesus was enough. The curtain was torn from top to bottom, a symbol of God coming to us rather than us having to come to God. How good is that? The separation was defeated. 
No, the debt was paid, and now humanity had complete access to the presence of God. Aren't you just so grateful for that? No, the love that God has for us is still so incomprehensible to me, that he would make a way to be with us, that he wants to be immersed in every area of our lives. That's the truth. You know, there's three ways that Jesus is with us that I'd love to share with us tonight because I think if we head into this holiday season and we head into this new year, you know, for some of us, it's actually not an easy time. It's not a fun time. Some of us, we don't actually have family or friends to celebrate this season with. And for some of us, we're heading into the new year full of unknowns and not really sure what's going to happen. And if you are uncertain of what life looks like, or where you are headed, can I tell you that you can be certain that Jesus is there with you, walking alongside you. He's with you every step of the way because Jesus is always with us. So the first way that Jesus is with us that I'd love to share tonight, if that's all right, is Jesus is with us in our weakness. Now, the world loves strong, put-together things, right? You don't actually have to look very far to figure this out. Now, the world will look at who has the most money, who hustles the hardest, who works out the longest, who's learnt the most information, who's better looking, who's most successful, when in reality, Jesus is actually quite the opposite, right? He's actually attracted to weak things. Now, Jesus says in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So he's not afraid of our weakness. He actually wants to meet us and sees our weakness and wants to outwork his glory through it. He doesn't despise it, but he wants to meet us there. And it goes on to say in 2 Corinthians, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Now I'm glad to boast in the things that I am weak in. I'm glad to boast because where I am weak, he is strong, Because where where I am not strong, the glory of God will shine through. Where I am weak, his power is there. And if I give him my weakness, he can work through me. And it's not about not believing we're not strong, but it's actually about admitting our weakness so that God can take his rightful position, his rightful place on the throne in our lives, and his power can be seen at work through us. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne room of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You know, the invitation to run to him in our weakness is to come boldly, not afraid, not scared, not ashamed or feeling guilty of, of our weakness, but to come boldly into the throne room of God. We don't need to be ashamed because the invitation is actually already there. All you need to do is come. And it says even when you need it most, when you, least, when you feel like you least deserve it, when you're feeling the worst, when you're feeling guilty, ashamed or depressed or anxious, Jesus still says just come, just come. And there's been times where I felt incredibly weak. I remember when I was studying last year, I went through a stage of just wanting to quit because I just thought I couldn't do it, honestly. I was like done at that point. I am not an academic, all right? I didn't do exams. I didn't do ATAR. So going into higher education learning after five, I think it was five years of no learning at all was like extremely overwhelming. Like I felt behind and I felt like I couldn't actually comprehend the things that I was learning. I remember sitting at home just looking at my laptop trying to like get an assessment done that was due the next day because I'd always leave it to the last minute because I just didn't have 
you know, t a sense of time back then, but I'm all good now. Uh, <laughs> but I just remember sitting there and I said to God, all right, there's absolutely no way that I can get this done by myself. I don't have the skill. I don't have the strength. I don't have the capacity right now. But God, if you have called me to it, then you're going to carry me through it. So I was just praying, God, if you, you just need to write this assessment for me because I'm out, like I'm done. That's it. And after I just like surrendered, like had that prayer and surrendered that to God, after I showed him my weakness and I admitted that I needed help and I was humble for once, and my brain just started to work, you know. I began to know things. I began to comprehend things that I didn't actually know before. It actually felt like I had this new little superpower. I was like, yeah, I've got this. God's got this. Come on. And I just um, kept writing and writing until I was completely finished. And I was just thinking, if I didn't ask God to come in and intervene and use his strength and not my own, I would have quit. I would have been done. I would have just all done. No worries. But it's so true. God's power actually works best in our weakness. When we push aside our ego and we ask God to intervene, he does. And it's not exclusive to me either. You know, this is accessible to anyone who asks for it. So you can be confident that God will give you his grace and that God will give you his power when you need it most. And he knows that we need help in every situation. He knows we're weak. He's God. Of course he knows we're weak. But it's where he, we're weak that his power works best. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Number two, Jesus is with us in our storms. Now, I went through this extremely brief period of um, signing up for the gym. <clears throat> it, was, it was extremely brief. It was about four weeks before I um, asked them to sort of like cancel it. Um, but... When I signed up, you know, I was excited. I was like, yes, new year, new me, new bod. Like, let's like, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fresh. Like, this is going to be it for me. I'm going to like sign out of Instagram for like four months and pop back up and everyone's going to be like, oh my gosh, who is she? Crazy. So what I'd do is I'd drive to the gym, like after like work or something. I'd sit in my car for 15 minutes, try and like psych myself up, which never worked, by the way. And then I'd just drive home and sort of, kind of just sit on the couch, Jaden knows, and just watch The Office for like a few hours, and it was a bad time. Um, but I swear, I made every excuse under the sun. But the excuse of if I had someone to do it with me was my best excuse. Because I'm not good at doing stuff like that by myself, you know? Like, if I, I kind of need someone to push me and to walk alongside me if I was going to make any progress at all. And I, I think we can see the opposite of that when we look at the story of Jesus calming the storm um, in the book of Mark, right? Jesus was asleep in the stern of the boat with the disciples when this crazy storm hit. And all the disciples were going crazy. They were freaking out. They were crying, I'm assuming, like freaking out. God, we're going to die. So they woke Jesus up and they said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And so Jesus got up, probably sick of the disciples again. Oh, these boys, these boys, come on. And he rebuked the winds of the waves and he said, be quiet, be still. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, Jesus was in the boat with the disciples when the storm came. He wasn't just distantly waiting on the other side. No, he was in the boat with the disciples when the storm came. He was in the gym with the disciples, pushing them along, am I right? Now, he endured the same storm that the disciples did, but was he afraid? No, of course not. He's God. 
Doesn't that just bring so much peace to any situation that you'll go through, to know that he's never afraid of the storm. He's always in the storm with you, always bringing peace. And it is true that he will bring peace in the middle of the storm. In hard times and challenges, any hard thing you go through, he, will, he gives you access to peace. He gives you peace. And it is true that he has authority over the storm. And it says in the verse, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So we do not need to fear the storm, church, because he is bigger than the storm. And we don't go through storms for no reason, right? I mean, it's true, sometimes we go through hard times because it's just a consequence of our past decisions. That's true, that's normal. But it doesn't mean that God has no purpose in it. And everything works together for the good of those who love him. No, trust in him because I can guarantee you that he is in the storm with you and he will get you to the other side. And if that is for you tonight, don't lose hope. Remember, even the disciples said, don't you even care? And I feel like this can be us sometimes, but don't mistake it. It is better to have Jesus in the storm with you than than to have no storm, but no Jesus as well. See, the presence of God is actually the difference here not whether you go through the storm or not. And even Moses said, it's your presence that distinguishes us from all other people. Now, if we could just grasp the reality of God being with us in our storms, our storms actually wouldn't be so bad, right? And in this Jesus series, we've learned, you know, some incredible things about Jesus. And Pastor Shafe shared in the first week that Jesus is our friend. And a true friend is with you in the storms, through the storms, not just waiting on the other side for the clear skies. No, I've had plenty of storms that I've gone through where I've wondered, God, where are you? And in hindsight, like I've seen that he was covering me, he was protecting me, and he was teaching me. And I've had plenty of health storms, let's go there, health storms in the last three years. And I've ended up in hospital plenty of times, you know, in unhealthy amounts of pain, only for doctors to say, oh, I'm sorry, we just can't find what's wrong with you. Funny, right? Yeah. (laughs) And now I see that he was building my capacity in that season. He was building my strength. He was building my grit. He was building my opportunities to rely on his strength and not my own. And if only I had trusted that he truly was with me in the storms, how much more peace do you think would have been accessible to me in that season? And that same peace that I'm talking about is accessible to everyone who trusts and believes that he is right there in the middle of the storm with you. He's not waiting on the other side. Is that all right? Awesome. Uh, Number three, Jesus is with us in our sin. No, I don't know about you. I'm just starting these off with ripper comedy, aren't I? Oh, my gosh. Perhaps this has never happened to you before, and congratulations if it hasn't. But um, I don't typically go out anywhere now without just like a little bit of makeup on. Um, Because every time I seem to go out without makeup on, someone either asks if I'm sick um, or if I'm sunburnt, because I've got a really red skin complexion going on under here. It's every time, and now I've got this like little voice in the back of my head that says I need to put makeup on to look good, otherwise someone's going to ask me, why does your face look like that today? I, I wish I was kidding, Beck. I wish I was kidding. But it's the same deal with us in God. We often think that, you know, we need to clean ourselves up or get rid of our sin in our lives before we can actually come to Him, right? And we feel like we have to get ourselves right before we can come into the presence of the Lord. But actually, again, in reality, it's quite the opposite. He actually comes to us in the middle of it all. You know, God showed love for us while we were still sinners, 
in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our addictions, our habits, our guilt, our sin and our shame by sending Jesus to die for us. God sent Jesus into the mess not to condemn but to save. No, Jesus doesn't wait for you to be clean enough before he comes to you because he wants to give you not only strength in your weakness to be with you in the middle of the storm but he wants to give you forgiveness and eternal life. See, if we all waited for perfection, we'd be waiting for an attorney. That's just the reality that we live in. But instead, Jesus took all of our sin, yours and mine, so that we could be in a loving relationship with God. See, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I've had my fair share of silly teen years. If you know me even a little bit, you'd know that. Um, Years of making decisions that have impacted my future that I probably can't get back. I've been in relationships that have caused a lot of pain. Pain I don't think anyone really deserves in their lifetime. But back then, when I was going through it, I did deserve. I did feel like I deserved that pain. No, I didn't believe that I was worthy of a love because of my sin and what I had done in my life. So I withdrew from community and, and life-giving friendships and because I didn't feel like I was clean enough or I didn't feel like I was worthy of a good community or good people around me, right? And by believing those lies, I was withdrawn from community, withdrawn from life-giving friendships, what you really need. And I became depressed and I became sick and I didn't have even the energy to go to work some, some weeks. Now I was so gripped by my past and my sins, so gripped by fear that I had experienced in my life. And it literally took people dragging me to church, which by the way, I hated. And if you're ever going through it, you don't enjoy it. But when you're on the other side, you're eternally grateful. So if you're that friend that drags people to church, keep doing it because it works. But it took an encounter with Jesus, something I tried to avoid for me to understand that I can come to him in my mess and he still loves me anyway because it's exactly what he died for. And I still remember that moment. I was actually in worship um, and we were singing Whole Heart by Hillsong. And the lyrics that struck my heart were, Here I stand, high in surrender. I need you now. No, once I was broken, but you loved my whole heart through. Sin has no hold on me. Because your grace holds me now. And that moment really pierced the depths of my heart, you know. Now, once I was broken, but you still loved me. Your grace holds me now. Not my sin, not my past, not anything I've been through. Your grace holds me now. See, he died for us to come as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. And as I continually surrendered to Jesus to say, okay, I know I don't feel it right now, but I do trust that you are who you say you are and that you have a plan and a purpose for me. I surrender my life to you and your plans. And as I started to surrender that, I started to see a shift in my character. I started to see a shift in my self-worth, my ability to do daily tasks, just the simple things, church, just the simple things, daily tasks. My capacity increased. I stood tall. My identity was found. I knew who I was because I found that I had surrendered to Christ. And suddenly all the things that I was ashamed of and the things that, you know, held me back or the things I was afraid of, they broke loose. 
and I saw more clearly my path ahead was lit and my God-given purpose was drawn out of me. See, that's the power that surrender has. It has the power to heal. It has the power to set free. It has the power to draw out purpose. And if you feel like you're unsure of, you know, what your purpose is or what you were put on this earth to do, can I just encourage you that by surrendering your thoughts, your ways, your habits, your life to Jesus, you will start to see a shift. I can guarantee it. Your purpose will be drawn out because his power is made perfect in our weakness. Now, God was with me in all of those seasons. He was with me in my weakness in my sin and he was with me in my storms he doesn't leave he is a consistent steadfast father and one thing I am sure of is that if he did it for me he will do it for you and by accepting and knowing that you know God is with us we can be sure in any situation that there is a hope to hold on to that God knows our plans he knows our past he knows our present and our future And because of the death on the cross, we are given the opportunity to be forgiven and have eternal life and freedom with God. Now, what an amazing gift is that, right? And in a few moments, I'd love to give a chance for people here to receive that gift, which I think is the most important gift of all. Um, But first, I think it's really important to just pray for those who are feeling weak, for those who are going through a hard time, because I truly believe that tonight... God is wanting to meet you there. So if you don't mind, why don't we just stand tonight? And if that is you and you're feeling weak in this season, with every eye closed, with no one looking around to the left or to the right, would you just lift your hands to Jesus just to receive from him? No, he is here to meet you. He is here to give you strength. And if you are going through a hard time, Jesus wants to meet you with his peace. So Lord, right now, I release your strength. God, like a magnet, would you draw near to those who are feeling weak? God, those who are feeling weak in body with health, God, we pray that you meet them there. Would you start to heal and mend and bring, bring wholeness to their bodies, Father? Would you be with them in those storms, with them in those health battles, God, with whatever's going on? God, would you just give them the strength and the courage? Father, would you be with them? Would you bring them an indescribable amount of peace over any health situation, God? We pray for a total healing in Jesus' name. God, we pray for those who are weak in mind, who are, you know, struggling with maybe depression or anxiety or or things that are going on in their life that they're uncertain about or they're lonely, Father. We just pray for your peace to just cut through the noise. We pray for your peace to be just through their minds, through their hearts, through their bodies, God. Would there be no room for anything else but your peace, Father? We just pray for a healing to work within their minds, God, that only comes from you. Would they begin to see things more clearly with clarity, God? Would you bring them a joy, Father? Bring them an indescribable amount of joy as they trust in you and as they surrender in you, God. We just pray for those who are weak in temptation, who may be struggling with addictions or habits or, or maybe there's sin in their lives, God. I thank you that you don't bring condemnation, but you bring a loving conviction because you're our Father and you love us and you want the best for us, God. 
So God, I just pray for a strength to rise up within them, a boldness to rise up within them, to walk in the ways of you, God, to know that it's not something to be afraid of, God, but it's an invitation that you love us so much that you want to see us walk in freedom. So God, we just release freedom in Jesus' name. We pray for those who are going through a rough time, God, we just release peace. God, again, cut through the noise, the busyness of our minds, of our worlds, God, would you cut through it and just bring a stillness, a peace that we've never felt before, Father. A peace that we know it's from you. We can count on you. And Lord, we just pray for those who are looking for purpose. God, would you begin to draw it out? Would you begin to show them things, God? Bring them passion, bring them joy, you know, bring them, bring them passion that they've never felt before, God, that, only, that can only come from you. God, I pray for a vision of what their future looks like, a vision of what their purpose is, Father. I pray for the right conversations to be had, to know that this is the call that they have on their lives. And God, as we surrender, I pray that our purpose is outworked and the enemy cannot prevail. In Jesus' name, amen. Your name is God.